What's up, knuckleheads? Welcome back to the Bad Christian Podcast. And at this time, I'd like to ask you, if you just go ahead and help us out with a little word of mouth is what this podcast depends on. So if you listen to a few episodes and you're still here, tell a friend. That is, unless you're, of course, embarrassed by the lowbrow humor and whatnot. But if you can get over that or if you've got some lowbrow friends, tell them. Tell them about the podcast. We appreciate it. Today on the show, we have Trip from the Homebrew Christianity Podcast. And we're very excited about that. Stay tuned for it. Today's show is sponsored by MeUndies. You can get 15% off your first pair and free shipping by going to MeUndies.com. Oh, hell yeah, God showed up. I don't give a shit what I put in my body. You don't ever talk to me that way. <laughs> so if you've never done oral, then you're extrovert. No, girl, it's my pleasure. I showed my dad my penis when I was 25 years old. And you don't get more honest than that. Three, two, one. Big Christian, we got the energy today. We gonna slay Satan. And we're gonna chop Satan's head off. And we're gonna avoid the very appearance of evil. Oh, I'm gonna use a gun on Satan and blow his head off. (laughs) Can you say that in America anymore? I'm gonna take a gun. I'm gonna kill Satan with it. You can't say that. Right? I'm going to well, bomb Satan's well, house. That made, you know, Is that I, offensive? I, I was a little bummed when they went to the, you can't have a gun emoji, they went water gun on that. Right. And because you know why, why? Uh, that bothers me is because they're coming for the water guns now. Oh, next. They're water <laughs> my guns. kids, I, lo- I just bought them both water guns. And hey, they really are. Blast. That's not, I mean, that's not that crazy. Hey, water guns, they Im- imply this thing. I know. The, the, here's the biggest thing about that that really bothers me is, that's exactly the Christian culture I grew up in. Don't do that. Stay away from that. Now everybody's adopted it, and you got to be scared and afraid of it. everything. I right. know it. Right. I mean, you'll know it when it's like super soakers are, are you know, just taboo. That's not good. Oh. That's not freedom. That's not where we're supposed to be headed. I'm not a water balloons, guy. imitate I don't grenades. Don't do that. I'm not pro gun. I, I'm not pro gun at all. Yeah, here, I, I don't have one. I avoid getting. I mean, they're kind of cool. You I, avoid I, guns. I, well, I like guns. <laughs> let me let me say it both ways. I, I like guns. I don't trust me having a gun in any way. Right. I like shooting them. It's cool. Yeah, I don't trust. Guns myself are cool. Gun. I will never tell you right. guns aren't cool. They are. They're awesome. Very I love cool. them. Yeah. I don't feel good about having one. I don't I'm not going to have one. I know. It's not safe for me. I'm not safe. I mean, I, I get it. I respect it. it what, but whatever. All I'm saying is if we get to the point where we're actually worried about emojis, I don't, I'm not so sure. That's Yeah, if an emoji has it's to not, change. I'm not saying don't come tread on me and I'm a Second Amendment guy for freedom. I'm saying can I have some emojis in a super soaker? That freedom I'd like to protect. How about we live in a world where emojis matter that much? Right, I know. Do y'all use, do y'all use emojis? One? Joey, are you an emoji person? Like, you know what? This sounds so crazy. I, I know that this probably sounds, makes me really old. This is, this is the number one thing when I go, I guess I'm really old. When people, when I write them and say, hey, uh, that's, that's cool. We'll meet in, at this time or whatever. 
and they send me back just a thumbs up, yep. I think it's offensive. <laughs> I cannot stand it. I'm like, come on. You can write cool or thank you or okay, whatever you want to write. Like a thumbs up just feels like a slap in the butt. Like you can't, uh, you did that. <laughs> like it's almost like they're annoyed or something. I can't, it's, no, bit, I, I, I can't hardly understand it. I mean, to answer your question, I think I'm down with efficiency. Now there's probably some times where I'm like, I just can't go there. Like L-M-A-O sort oh, right. of thing. Yeah. But there are times when LOL is the best possible thing to say to convey the Ooh, fact that you yeah, no legitimately okay, thought it was but funny. it has to stay pure. I don't use yeah, LOL. Uh, and me, if I do, you better fucking believe yeah. that I had laughed out yes. loud. I can't... You it, it is not appropriate to type LOL if you didn't... You cheapened the whole thing. You can say ha in text if right. you thought it was funny but didn't laugh out loud. Do not LOL. If you LOL me, I assume that you made an audible sound. If you did not, you fuck you. See, I think if somebody writes LOL, it's offensive to me. Well, well, I don't think it's real. They, I mean, here, the other day, though, I realized that I do a thing where if I actually laugh out, if I think something's really funny, I add an extra ha. <laughs> <laughs> I, do a, I do a single ha if somebody's making a joke and I think it's kind of funny. If I think something's really funny, I do ha ha. And then if I think it's really funny, exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but think about how handy these things are now. Like, for example, if there's something that I want to say, and you guys know I'm notorious for saying something and people don't know I'm kidding. If I want to make sure people, like, let's just say uh, I was trying to cheer you up after your mom died or something like that. And I said, dude, that's been... And why would you go to that, that you, story, not, though, And not that you did try <laughs> to cheer me up when my mom died, just if you had. Jo- Joey's <laughs> passing comments always involve your mom died. Like, if for some reason I tried to cheer you up. By the way, you didn't try, first of all. <laughs> Secondly, if you had, what would it have looked like? Go ahead with the thought experiment. So, so, like, so like a week later, and I'm just like... I know your mom died, but... <laughs> Check out this emoji. <laughs> well, a week later, I text you, and I say something like, dude when you gonna get over this like all i have to do just to make sure is the the crying laughing person boom you know that it's a joke yeah easy well i'm not a big fan of the the emojis in general because it's still barking up that tree of reducing human communication to less and less yeah one of y'all said on the podcast before that you know my mom is notorious for telling me in the morning when someone died y'all said that she it'll eventually turn to a text message someone's name and then a scalding cross right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Just, yeah. So, it's, it's so reductive of human communication. Human right. communication has taken... I mean, it depends on how you think of communication and evolution, but it's taken a really long time to develop linguistics and the parts of your brain that do language and body language but the same and all this true. stuff, and we just... To all trading it in for a uh, round yellow circle with sunglasses on yeah. it. Yeah, but there's and a thumbs up. There's an and, o- and text. The which opposite is, like, is okay. how much that communicates too. Though. Okay. The opposite is no, true too. Give though, me a have you heard here. of uh, have you heard of Marco Polo? It's a new app that's basically like video CBing each other, so you can just well, go back and forth. I'm just saying okay. there are some apps that are trying to bring back the person. But that's the stage we're in now, and it's not a good stage, but I'm optimistic that we'll get to a better stage. I'm hopeful. But I'm telling you, as of right now, are, listen, think about it this way. Most of your relationships, I think this is true of everybody, are primarily digital. 
most of your communication with most people is through your phone, right? You communicate yeah, more yes, through yes. your phone than 100%. you do in person in total. With yes. all, and that means me to Joey and even a great percentage of, I won't say it's more, but a great percentage of your relationship with your wife 100%. is a, a digital transmission. And they, I mean, go look through any of your text threads. It says stuff like, be right back. Smiling face. Right. Be bare later. You're talking like a caveman. I know. We developed language through Shakespeare all the way up through this internet. And we've done, oh my gosh, human communication is the biggest, most profound tool we've ever had. And now we're digital cavemen. I know. It's not good. You know what? I was, yeah. And everything's lost. And is it not a surprise that everybody's angry at each other and doesn't actually understand where they're coming from? And they didn't mean to be angry or they did or they thought that was funny or didn't or they didn't know it was a joke or something. We're cavemen. What happened? Communication with each other, yes. Right. Now, also, that, this is what it, it really freaked me out the other day. I, I was thinking about it. People now, because of the internet, because of social media, actually read more than they ever have in their That's entire true. life. That is true. Like, my dad, they read my dad never read a book, and scan articles, ne- anything. He didn't do anything. And now he texts me. My dad texts Poorly. me, Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Toby, tell everybody and that. That replaced it. a phone conversation yes. and that perfect he, and he thought and both of us were very happy about it i was I know. very glad my dad That's, didn't call me i understand and that. he was glad he's like i have an option there's an option now where my son can read the way i feel and he's a now also i will say this he's a hair more loving and expressive on text uh, just you misinterpreting him <laughs> maybe so maybe so but the way he writes stuff i was like man my dad? You're reading into it what like, you want to see. I was like, caveman I love language. my dad. <laughs> <laughs> never said that before in my life. Like, that's, that's pretty Would sweet. you uh, send him a heart? Yeah, I wrote, I wrote back smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. I don't think it's good. Well, no. I'll tell you all something that can't cannot be misconstrued, and it cannot be turned uh, digitally, even though if people try to. Can, huh. can, can I teach you all a little something? Wait, we're going to learn? I would like to teach you all a little. In person. All right. I'd like to teach you all a little bit about prayer. Ooh. Yeah. You want to be the teacher and us the students, and we're going to learn how, what, how to pray. As long as you know it's not about me. It's about our it's maker about and what he's yeah. taught me, mm-hmm. and I'm oh. just a conduit. Oh, my God. I love the way you're talking right now. I'm, yeah. I'm ready. To, uh, I'm scared I'm going to start worshiping. I'm a worshiping. little bit right. in a prayer drought. All right. So I'm, yeah. I'm well, let me ask, I haven't prayed in seven years. Well, <laughs> let me ask you all both, both different questions. Okay. Uh, Matt, can you talk to anyone? Can you legitimately... In a Christian way, pray to uh, anyone outside of the Trinity. Like your evangelical beliefs. I mean, can I've heard you... of people praying to Mary before, but I always thought that was bullshit. Okay, to bullshit to pray I've to heard Mary. Some people actually argue it in a way that doesn't make sense. So outside crazy. of Catholicism, you definitely agree. Just pray to the Trinity, yes. Holy Spirit. Okay. Yep. And you, uh, question to you. Uh, My name's Toby. Toby, uh, can you can you swear? In your prayers, do you think that's mm. acceptable? Now, yes. Constantly. Toby Morrell does, <laughs> yes. constantly. Okay. Yeah, when I pray, I swear. Okay. Well, Toby, 100, Matt, 0. Uh, yes. Damn it. So, so basically. Just like, just like back in college, man. Just like college. So basically, there's four, there's four acceptable people to pray to, and that is God the Father, uh-huh. God the Son, the Holy Spirit, and Satan. 
You can pray to well, Satan. Well, wait, well, wait. It, it, so here, here's the thing. This? It is well. It is extremely important that you learn how to pray to Satan because he is a liar and a thief, and you have power in the name of Jesus to take authority over the enemy. So basically, what I'm going to challenge you to do, Toby, is think of something that you are super, super angry about. Okay. Very angry about, and it's something that's no nobody's human fault. Yeah. Okay? Can you say it out loud, or you have to keep it? No, no, I want you to talk to Satan about it right now. Okay. And and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to filter any foul language or anything, but think of something very, uh, something that like makes something you that angry really and something that you world. can probably put on Satan yeah. and talk to him about it. Just talk to him. So to I share should, your heart. So you mean to pray right now? Share your okay. heart to Satan about what pisses you off. Um, uh, he, he, I would normally say Heavenly Father, so I'd say Helly Satan. <laughs> Helly Satan, I come to thee. I ask. I ask thine. Is, am, I, am, I, am I doing it right? Sure. I ask thine. Um, the thing that has been plaguing me and uh, lately that I just cannot deal with, and I don't know how to deal with it, is I. See, all right. Uh, let me stop you right there. You're oh doing, God. you're doing a great job. Yeah, you did one thing right and one thing wrong, and then this is going to be done because this is just way too much to pack into one lesson. Okay, but the, the thing that you did really well is you identified who you were speaking to. Hell, he's well, yeah. You you can't just be saying, "And God, I just pray for uh, the country of Brazil and just the shit that's happening over there," and I just curse you and I curse you away from that country. You just went from talking to God to Satan, and you didn't clarify that. So you're going to be confusing mm. everyone. People mm. is a divided kingdom mm. will fall, right? And so if you're going to do that, Lord, I pray for the country of Brazil and Satan. So you got to transition by and, saying and Satan and Satan. So you did that correctly. What you didn't do is you got to raise your voice when you start talking to Satan. Well, what are we saying to Satan? We're trying to tell him. Ask him for something? I'm just giving a, an example. Uh, if Brazil is going through a tough time, you yeah. can be praying and to they, God they for are, them. <laughs> oh, you can pray at Satan against him? You pray to God for Brazil, but then right. you talk down Directly to Satan for to the Satan. shit that he's doing. Oh, yeah, because yeah. will not continue to. Yes, yes but you yes, have yes, to yeah. raise heard, your voice. Yeah, you have to sound before. angry at Satan. You have to be very angry and raise your voice to Satan. And, I don't know why. It just works, and I've heard a lot work. of very smart pastors do that. It, it looks he something like he, this, and then I want ah, you to practice it. That's he, really cool. And then we're he done. He was a musician in heaven, lost yeah, his hearing. So basically, this is how a pastor prays. Okay. God, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you for the many people that you're going to bring here Praise to him. be hurt, to hear the gospel and mm. perhaps have their life changed. And right now, Satan, mm. we tell you that you Ooh. have no place here. <laughs> wow, that's no hilarious. place here. We bind the enemy in the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we just thank you for bringing mm. these Hallelujah. people. Praise God. Name, you, oh, I mm. love that. Oh, well, yeah. Okay, I mean, that's actually real, a real thing, though. I mean, like now that you demonstrate, I'm I have not heard that joking. a million times, but what that actually is technically true is that you are praying to satan in that moment <laughs> yeah that i mean that the technicality is i didn't say you are God, speaking please tell with satan your verbal something. self yeah. to a spiritual being named satan and communicating with so him. so we're not that allowed, is what you're doing we're <laughs> not allowed to pray to mary but we can pray you to can satan. pray yes. directly to satan anytime you want yeah, to mary, as long mary, as you start praying to mary like this shit gets weird the mother of our savior you who to, apparently was a virgin <laughs> Had a baby, but don't pray to that shit. But you can pray. I mean, I never, I never really thought about this. It's very funny. You can pray directly to Satan. Yeah, yeah. he can like hear there's you. Four, there's four entities yeah. you can at least pray to. Yeah, it's just you have to follow the rules, though. Right, you have like, to you identify them. Like it wouldn't work if you were like, 
uh, and God, we lift this up and we yeah. want this thing to happen. And Satan, we're going to ask maybe if you could lay off a little on the right. Yeah, you know, no, on the you children yell at him. dying and birth yeah. defects, yeah. or you can't, you can't, you have to authoritative yeah for sure and i've got a lot that i want to teach about prayer i'll just tell you all some things to come could you pray, could you pray to satan like you know like go fuck yourself uh, it just a, depends well, on how you feel the about thing, language the only action you really can't do against satan is you always have to bind him yeah, you <laughs> right, bind right? Him. like that's the main one like that, uh, that basically means go fuck yourself yeah, yeah. right but, i mean you got to bind him right that's what you say bind you right so the the a couple other things that I'm going to bring up later, but we'll end it here because I just want people to tune in for oh. these things. Like I'm going to have a whole segment on fillers. Like if you're not a good prayer warrior, what are some things you can say when you stop thinking about stuff? And I mean for a split second. Like for some people, it's Father God. That's yeah, just yeah. their filler, and it's yeah, a Father good God's one. A good it's a great one. one. Father God, I love. And it. then there's a lot of people that are asked to pray publicly out loud, and they're brand new Christians. They don't really know what to say. So I'm going to give you some pointers and mm. how to look you like a spiritual fillers. giant. Yeah. When you're really not one. Yep. So I we'll, love we'll be bringing I'm, I'm this back I'm very excited about this. I learned a lot today. Yeah, good, good. It's good Amen. to hear. Amen. That is great. All right, so we're going to, uh, let me take a break here, and I'm going to tell you about me undies. But then after we get back from that, we're going to have Trip Fuller. Now, Trip Fuller runs a podcast that he's been doing for 10 years. So he's super old school, early adopter. He's got a Ph.D., in the boy smart philosophy and religion and he's doing a bunch of cool stuff and a lot i know a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with his podcast he's going to join us his name's trip fuller homebrewed homebrewed christianity we'll be right back let me tell you about something else that you need to include in your daily life and that's me undies you know about me undies they're the underwear that i like that you all like too if you've tried it you know the fun comfy undies that feel as good as they look and to those of you who hadn't tried them listen up you can get incredible underwear sent to your door with me undies and that means no more hunting around in a crowded store for the perfect pair but never finding it and just coming up with something that's good enough and good enough is not really the area you want to be in with your underwear you want to go to the next level you will be very happy they're MeUndies are made with a sustainably sourced material from beechwood trees, and their naturally soft fiber makes a fabric that won't sag down, it won't ride up. And trust me, once you put them on, you'll get what I'm talking about here. So I have a, just some of these pairs of underwear. I don't have enough that I wear them every day. And so the days that I don't wear my MeUndies are sad days. They're the end of the laundry cycle. They're when I feel like a loser. But when I get back to clean laundry, I go right to the MeUndies. I'm as happy as I can be, and I certainly need to get some more of them, so that's all I wear. I need to make that change. Note to self, I will do that. Now, if that doesn't convince you, well, let me tell you this. MeUndies has a deal for our listeners, and first-time purchasers are going to get 15% off the first pair of MeUndies and free shipping. That's 15% off plus free shipping, and to guarantee that your MeUndies will be very, that you and your MeUndies will be very happy together. So get your butt over to MeUndies.com and treat yourself, okay? So to get your 15% off your first pair, free shipping, and 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash badchristian. That's MeUndies.com slash badchristian. Trip, thank you for coming on the show. Nice oh, to meet you. I mean, you. I woke up this morning. <laughs> I said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? And he said, be a very bad Christian, <laughs> and you're here to help. So you've been podcasting for a while, too, then. So tell us about that. Yes. Uh, I I started Homebrewed Christianity in Divinity School at Wake Forest University as uh, a way to get 
our student activity money for a small group because the undergrads took used all the money. So we had a, a, a beer and theology group where we learned to make beer. Mm-hmm. And then we used it to bring speakers in. I recorded it and uh, started a pub group at the church I was going to. And eventually someone said there's things called podcasts. Mm-hmm. You should do it. So I started in 2008, March of 08. And it's been a long time since then. You know, now in a month we'll get like 70,000 unique listeners. And, you know, like I think we're at like 2.6 million downloads for the year. And it's long academic conversations mm-hmm. with scholars of religion and philosophers. But in the process, I got my PhD, had three children. Um, and, uh, and, and your wife September, still loves you? I have you? a movie I wrote. Does your she, wife still love you yeah, after all that? You know, I, I listened to your episode about how marriage is a letdown. <laughs> um, Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I feel like uh, I have this joke I've used it during weddings when and doing weddings. I would say there's nothing like going to bed tonight knowing you know the exact face of the person who's going to hurt you more than anyone else in the world. <laughs> but if you do it right, uh, you also know the person that will bless you more. Um, yeah. And then at the end of, at the, uh, end of uh, September, I have a movie I made called the road to Edmond coming out, which is mostly being in Los Angeles and interacting with people in the industry who then are like, yeah, why hasn't there been a progressive religious movie? And I was like, well, I have an idea. And someone gave us money to make it. That's amazing. Now, when you say that you, how, how does that work? You, uh, you wrote the whole script. Did you know about script writing and how to do it, formatting and all that stuff? Well, so the church I worked at was a large UCC church. So they're kind of down. They were like the first denomination to do e- like ecological justice, open and affirming, that kind of thing. So they're very progressive, the church, and very invested in the arts and stuff. So we would get in Los Angeles a lot of families where someone in it's connected to the industry. They volunteer for a lock-in, mm-hmm. and we're coming up with show pitches at 2 in the morning and things like that. Well, uh, if you're with people who do it regularly and you think I'm as funny as them and you just have enough hubris, <laughs> you think, <laughs> you think I, why can't I do it? I hung that's out with right. them. We got loaded and make jokes. I was funny I, enough. That's right. Clearly, I could do it. <laughs> so uh, one of my, my buddies, Dave Trotter, who uh, he – he like planted a conservative evangelical megachurch, left it, became more progressive and hasn't figured his life out and is trying to figure it out and starts doing making documentary social justice films and doing online marketing and branding stuff. He's like, yeah, hey, I had an idea for a movie. What do you think about it? A youth minister gets told to take two weeks off because he's welcoming to a chick that comes out and he goes on a road trip and runs into your character. And then whatever crazy things you think come up, happen. And at the end. Their antagonistic friendship breeds some type of reconciliation, but leaves space for people to continue to reflect about big questions. I was like, yeah, I I can do that because um, of the podcast. And I'm sure you all have mm-hmm. had this. People listen to you. They just send you emails. And yep. I'm like, uh, Toby, I just want you to know. <laughs> right. You said this one thing three years ago, but I just listened to it. And I just left my job because I'm taking a step right. out on faith for because the Lord. Because of what you said. And you're like, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, I'm like, did you talk to your partner? I really think it's good not to lose your job for Jesus till the family knows that what's going down. Um, but yeah, so the the movie kind of just came out of saying yes. And then I got a call from Dave who's like, I'm going to call you in like an hour. I'm with a guy who has some money. Just be funny. That's so funny in the L.A. So, scene. But that that's one of the reasons why I think it's so you know you have to really consider where where you live like if you need to move somewhere that's kind of why it's not just because you're going to just get all these connections or network or whatever it's just if you're around it's a, a really good way to assess your actual abilities and value not of course there's connections to people you can meet and stuff like that but if you're around funny people doing comedy and you go maybe i am that funny or maybe they did write this or i could work extra hours like that you know all those things help you calibrate what your skill level is and it's the kind of idea of just getting to be a you know a small fish in a big pond and then just learn to swim up there kind of thing so that is inspiring to hear uh let's talk about your podcast so and good luck with that movie i would be i would like to know more about how long did it take you to write that script uh well um so what we did (laughs) we had outlined each scene and then we recorded them like six times over two weeks and uh, they edited it together. So, like, you know, there's a scene where the I find out the guy I'm giving a ride to is a youth minister. And I'm like, you're a minister. You work for Jesus. And you you haven't even told me about the Lord. Like, what if I wrecked and I went to hell and shit? <laughs> and God's like, you didn't accept me into your heart. Like, so there's like a we, you know, improv whole scenes seven or eight times. And then they just edited it. So oh, wow. the script was more of an outline for sections. And then um, most of the scenes were improv, except for like, you know, uh, intense. They need to be perfect for the plot movement. And uh, no, everyone that did it had made documentaries or stuff like that before, but no yeah. one had made a normal movie. Uh, so I figured, well, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen? you have evidence that you said yes to something ridiculous, which then you can look at your kids and say, yep. look, you at least didn't have like thousands of people watch you make a <laughs> fool of yourself. Right. Or if it works, you're like, I did, I, I've never been a, in a movie. And there I am with my ass crack hanging out in the van. Right. And, uh, <laughs> so, where, so where to next when, when you have a movie like that, obviously – you guys are in the beginning of stages of, of creating stuff, not really in the scene. What do y'all do to get the most exposure? I mean, is this something strictly digital? Try to get it on YouTube and promote like crazy, or will how do you, where do you go from here? Um. Well, I mean, the main reason we made the movie is uh, that I think American religions at a reorganization point where the boundary lines need to move. And we did our first screening the first week of June in Oklahoma City. And Southern Baptists liked a movie that's going to be rated R and has an F-bomb, you know, narcotics. I mean, it's like Hot Tub Time Machine meets uh, Progressive Jesus. And um, in part of it is, I think religion in America has had so many assumptions that people violently preserve the boundaries that as they're dissolving – all it really needs is a space and openness and people move into a more open environment. And so our goal for the movie was let's make something that if you see it, you go and you want to have that conversation and reflect on it, it's possible. Um, And 
we all, everyone that's in it basically volunteered their time and we made it for $30,000. That's great. So there's very little overhead or anything. Um, we're doing a screening at the end of this month in Denver because we filmed it in Denver and Oklahoma City. And then at the end of July 29th is the premiere in LA. And then we're building up for uh, in September doing screenings in homes and in churches of it before we try to either sell it or release it. And if we can pay effort off everything after that, then it'll be more of a passion project. Like let's find the ways that either like college groups or people can connect with it. Um, where, where laughing hard at your faith kind of gives you permission to leave the craziness behind, but yeah. also cling to the beautiful true parts. Uh, so it, it's, it was less of a, it was more of a, let's make this, because someone needs to tell this story and someone that grew up in evangelicalism needs to learn how to laugh at it. Oh, no doubt about I like that. that. And so, so is that the way you think of your podcast too? Like, how do you think of the goal of that? Is it, is it kind of related? I know a lot of people, I know a lot of our listeners like your podcast called homebrew Christianity. And that's amazing that you've been doing it for 10 years. That's, that's well, early adopter the, for that territory. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the metaphor of homebrewing, like I like craft beer and I like homebrewing. And um, I think most of Christianity in America is kind of like Pabst Blue Ribbon. It was award winning mm -hmm. over 100 years ago. <laughs> but today, the uh, the power of the spirit only functions with it if you're suspended and you have like uh, gravity bringing blood to your head in large volumes, <laughs> probably in a building with Greek letters on it. Like. The spirit, like uh, beer, has a possibility of being a rich, diverse palate. Um, it also has the ability of changing with the different parts of the country you're in, the different ingredients, the different water. And so, the idea with homebrewed Christianity was, let's uh, give people the best ingredients in the academy, so they can brew their own faith. Like, take responsibility for their reflection around their faith and such, because the anti intellectualism and American Christianity is really mm -hmm. uh, kind of built a wall between the academy and the church. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to think for anybody, but I love building a community where I get to think with people. And I don't think we need a whole bunch of people that all think the same, but it would be awesome if the conversation was more loving, more intellectually engaging, more creative and inspire more just and beautiful living. So homebrewed is, how do I read big academic books and talk to these people and creatively edit so that an intellectually curious but non-professional can listen and understand half of it and glean things from it to think and reflect with? It's interesting. You've been uh, throwing around that term progressive, and that's scary in this Christian world. Like mm -hmm. we don't, we don't. I, I mean, I don't even know progressive or liberal Christian. Like, uh, what? What's your background? Did you grow up liberal and progressive, and and I mean, where? where... Oh. My my parents were Baptist church planters, but you know how if you always go to a church that your parents work at, then you kind of think Baptists were always like the people that were around. So yeah, they were my parent. My parents helped start the Baptist AIDS Partnership of North Carolina in the '90s. So I grew up, and part of being religious was doing work with people with HIV/AIDS and their caretakers, and that meant. Like the idea of debating gay people belonging was weird because we dedicated a lot of our time to serving them and knew that other people rejected them. We, my parents were involved in like a lot of early racial reconciliation work and political activism. So 
But that in was pretty rare in the Baptist church, right? I mean, that doesn't seem like the normal Baptist church experience. No, no. It's just I always went to the church my dad preached at, yeah. so I didn't know different. Right, right. So I went to undergrad oh, yeah. at a Baptist school, and I was like, y'all don't let women work at the church? <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> Who does that? And they're like, we're Baptists. And I'm like, I'm Baptist. <laughs> I, so uh, I, I had really positive experiences with the church growing up which a lot of people in my generation and peers didn't. And they have a lot more baggage than I do. Mm-hmm. I think a community that's centered around the teachings and way of Jesus can be a very life-giving, life-affirming, and inspiring place. Um, and for me, it was always the place where they affirmed you most deeply and challenged you to live a more, you know, a, a, a life with integrity that's committed to um, God's dream for the world. And um, I mean, that meant when I got ordained Baptist, I have not worked at a Baptist church. I've worked at Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ churches and stuff. But that's because my wife and I, who are both ordained Baptists, didn't want to, once, once we found out she was pregnant, we didn't want to work or go to a church where our kids grew up thinking you debate whether or not you welcome gay people or care for the planet or work for justice. Mm -hmm. We wanted them to go. No, like obviously by osmosis, if you're on team Jesus, you welcome everybody, you challenge all injustice and you would like your grandkids to breathe. And, uh, that sounds and, a lot different than a lot and of Baptists. that's not for everybody. <laughs> you talk yeah. a real good yeah, pro- yeah. progressive game, but you have a beard. You talk about homebrew, and you got a hat. You're drinking a beer. So I, officially, you're progressive. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whatever works. You know. <laughs> how, how did uh, – I mean, are you are you still consider yourself a Baptist? Are you, is your dad still working at church? Y'all still just Baptist and out there? Yeah, he does. He does. And now that we just moved back to North Carolina about six months ago – and we're going to a Baptist church in Raleigh, but it's an alliance of Baptist church and a cooperative Baptist church, which means they're more progressive. So like we're in the South in the middle of Trump's craziness and like the sermons include invitations to, you know, like show up for rallies and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So is uh, it affirming? Like, is it an affirming church? Yeah, yeah. Two of the ministers are lesbians. Wow, and that's considered Baptist. I mean, that that's blowing my mind. Well, Southern Baptist—it's not part of the Southern Baptist yeah, I guess convention. It's not, right? Southern Baptist it's not is that. the big it's difference. Not that. What did you think? And, and have you covered it on your podcast, the Southern Baptist Convention, and and all the hoopla that's been going on with that in the past couple months? Well, um, I kind of—I don't talk about it on the podcast just because, uh, it, you know, I would—I think it's better if you're going to talk shit on the internet to talk about people you're friends with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Early in my life, I had a lot of really negative experiences with Southern Baptists. So I feel like it could easily lead to me venting, especially if it's in public. But the new president of the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer, went to the same undergrad as me, and we've hung out a few times. And, um, I mean, that doesn't mean I'm like, yay, yay. But if you're like, as a human, he's a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's uh, intelligent. Um, we had a long conversation uh, in undergrad about uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, uh, a philosopher. So, I mean, compared to the other option being like a guy who tells a beaten woman to go yeah. back to the home and pray for her husband. And then when she shows up with a second black eye, 
the husband came to church, you're like, you, you took one for the Lord. Like that's, that's something. Yeah. I, I, if someone in the name of Jesus told your daughter that like it is unrelated to their theology. It's just that certain religious institutions, um, protect people when they discover that and un some of them don't. Well, yeah. And, yeah. I and mean, so the, the biggest problem to me isn't that, that a jerk shows up in any, every theology or every religion, every non-religious per, group has their, their assholes. But the test of the community is what do you do with it? Do you protect it? Do you repress it? Do you silence it? Do you bring it out in the open? Do you work towards reconciliation and justice? And um, hopefully this public exposure leads to new patterns of integrity in the SBC, just like uh, the Catholic uh, Catholics have worked hard um, yep. in different areas of the country around that. Um, anyway. Yeah, so I, in this current moment that we're in, I, it seems like, you know, there's all the different movements and stuff like that. But what they all have in common, which I'm really excited about, is this, or it's at least obviously progress, is the whole sweeping things under the rug and protecting people to protect your organization. I think people should hopefully are getting the message that that is an um, unbelievable no-no. Because, I mean, you, you know, 20 years ago, Sweep something under the rug. It doesn't sound like the worst crime. It used in the to be world. considered loyalty. Yeah, yeah. Now, and it used to, now, now you, you realize get it's it. a like, sick wait disease. Wait a minute. This is like the Catholic Church or Joe Paterno or whatever these scandals are. It's like everybody knows now. Well, hang on a second. Yeah. I know something. If this comes out, I, I mean, that's like that's a, that's a pretty good thing that underpins a lot of the movements. But it just happens no matter what when there's fringe groups with power and they have to protect it. I mean, you know, it's the same story. It would go with, with any of them. But I, I think that's a really mm-hmm. note of progress, in my opinion. So so y'all were always just on the Baptist side, never in the Southern Baptist world. Well, no, they were Southern Baptist church planners. But, you know, the Southern Baptists had a takeover by fundamentalists and starting in 1979. Mm-hmm. So, like, the first professor uh, – at Wake Forest College in North Carolina, which the campus is now Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, William Poteet, who was their president, was the first person in the United States teaching evolution as the means by which God uh, created humanity. So like the campus where Paige Patterson, before he was at Southwestern, was president at Southeastern. And and, uh, that campus used to have a Baptist evolutionist before anyone else had one. Mm -hmm. So the, my family was the, like the Bible's not in air, and why would we think that? Because we like graduate degrees, but that's unrelated <laughs> to scripture being true. Um, and if you never grew up that way, it's really weird when you hear people think that's important. I it's bet like, so. That's what I always am shocked by. Like they're like, "Oh, it has to be inerrant, blah 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 blah," and you're like, "Ah, I don't know." Yeah. Like I have, I chose to be baptized. I've done plenty of acts because my faith was inspired by Christ. I uh, pray every day. I read the Bible every day. At no point did I go, you know, if I believe this was inerrant, I might take it more seriously. Like that's never happened in my life. And um, but my fundamentalist friends like can't imagine that there's a different way of being Christian. And uh, almost all the defining features they list didn't exist before 1700. That's right. So right. That's right. Know, Do you know the like, book Fantasy Land by Kurt Anderson? If you haven't, you should check no, no. that out. Joey, did you read that book? Halfway done. Yeah. It it really traces what you're talking Is about it there. to the previous podcast? Uh, I don't remember what the pre- previous. The sex toy one? No. Uh, <laughs> you said you were recording a sex Fantasy toy Land. Podcast. <laughs> no, 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 not the sex land. toy thing. No, no. 
Unrelated, unrelated. But no, th- this guy, Kurt Anderson, traces American history from, I don't know, 1600s to now. And, and he portrays it very convincingly that we are crazy people who came from other places and we're the, we are the fringe and the fundamentalist people that believe in fantastical things and magic and thwart, uh, often thwart logic to believe more fantastical and magical things. And we've invented most of the things, even coming from the Puritans and then the witch trials. And he, he just goes through all of it. And it's very damning for how much uh, magic and anti-intellectual stuff that we've that us in America have created like the you know tons of whole things about scripture and theology and everything that just never even existed in all of Christian history till some Americans invented it um and it's it's pretty damning uh-huh. to, to look at it it's, it's yeah, a good not read. and not just Christians but also yeah. like the love generation of the hippies like yeah. that's just the flip side of all oh of yeah. It, but yeah same same symptoms like well, we're not getting closer to seeing reality and talking about facts this is a long tradition and we're probably getting worse is basically the way it reads <laughs> Well, I mean, even a lot of it has to do with the way our world was flattened in the Enlightenment. Like uh, Augustine, like the most influential theologian after Paul, unless you count Jesus, uh, wrote a book called On the Literal Interpretation of Genesis, where he's like, no one thinks God made this in six 24-hour days because literal interpretation didn't mean literal Mm -hmm. like it meant after everyone thinks scientific method. And so a lot of times, even fundamentalists and Christians will read, you know, look at some quote that someone put on an Instagram post and think that Augustine's talking about something with Ken Ham in it and an art museum. Right. And you're like, no, that's not it. And and I think a lot of it is connected to that reaction in American culture to this onslaught of knowledge where, you know, prior to the scientific revolution, humans made progress significantly more slowly mm-hmm. than we did after uh, the scientific revolution. Then you have industri- industrialization, you have uh, the printing press, which shares knowledge. And so the social and shared knowledge of humanity expands at a, a fast rate. Well, if we as humans and our cultures and our tribes and the way we make sense and tell stories about ourselves in the world, all of a sudden has like a faucet turned on where before it was just like dribbling and you filled your cup on, you're going to freak out. Mm-hmm. So in America, the fundamentalist group were like, here are the fundamentals. If you don't believe these, you're not in. And this is our way of drawing a line saying we're not changing. It's just the things they picked are things that are offensive in light of the scientific revolution not things that are necessarily essential if you were to take the big scope of Christianity. Right. It doesn't so, seem to be the important things Yeah, that fundamentalists have drawn the hard lines on, but now they just are doubled down. I, guess, I don't know if it's doubled down or just dug in, you know. Well, going, going even back to you, I don't know if you – do you label yourself a progressive or a, a liberal Christian? I don't even know if I know exactly what liberal Christian is, uh, to be honest. I don't, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> uh, if – if if uh, someone asks that question, I just assume I am one because yeah. <laughs> there's only one group of people that ask that question, right? And they're <laughs> right, and they're the ones well, that believe that any of those designators equal non. Yeah, negative. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or yeah, it might be not. You're a non-Christian. That's the type of Christian you are. Non-Christian. <laughs> yeah, I I I mean I I I can get pretty aggressive about being Christian. Just but if someone thinks labels are shortcuts. Yeah. And they're not honest, but they're helpful. So I reverse it where like I think a church 
that isn't open and affirming should let you know. Because I have a lot of gay friends who've gone to churches where they're like, we let everyone come. We're an open community. And they're like, yeah, but you can't work with the children. We won't marry you. Right. It's really awkward when you're singing next to your partner. Yeah. And that, like, you know, I get, I couldn't completely understand if that's someone's game. But there's no need to slow play the fact that you think God's like, no. Yeah. And so I think clarity and labels, if it means people that come into your congregation don't have to add a whole nother thing they have to get over or hide or repress before they just figure out how not to suck at being humans and loving their neighbor, then, then it's helpful. So uh, I joke like uh, at at, uh, the church I worked at, I had so many parents call who are kind of nominally religious, but they think now they have kids, they have to go to a church and they call, they look at our church website and they're like, uh, yes, uh, Reverend Fuller. Do you uh, like the gays? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do. You want? Uh, do you believe in climate change? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yes. Um, do you? Uh, how have I got the, the right number here? Yeah. Republicans, <laughs> and then I'm like, probably not. Um, all right. So I'm not that religious, but my daughter started going to this campus ministry group called enter varsity don't like it i'm gonna bring her to your church we're gonna do the religious thing there you can talk about jesus all you want she loves jesus and guitars but if you could just tell her that jesus likes gay people doesn't want to kill a planet and help the poor that'd be great and i had that conversation with enough people that uh i'm like can't we just put something on the website where you know like where it says i heart jc and in the heart it's just like planet lgbtq and justice. And then you're like, what does loving Jesus look like in our world? Those type of things. Yeah. And then you don't have to have the fight because like, it's really depressing if you're at a congregation and then you find out they don't accept you or that that issue is real important to you. And then you discover that half the ministers are gay. They just didn't think about telling you because it's a UCC church. And that's, that also happened where I had families come and they're like, you know, we don't believe in gay marriage. And I'm like, I'm the token straight guy. Like, where, <laughs> like, you you didn't think those suits were on point for no reason? Come on. Well, you say you get pretty aggressive about about b- being a Christian or, or or in that. I don't know exactly the way you said it, but especially in light of those things and not believing in inerrancy. Of I, you said there that you pray every day, you read your Bible every day. You're very very engaged in here. So, what is that? Uh, what can you help give put some handles on that so people can understand? But if you let that sl- if you let those other things slip, if you let inerrancy slip, then what's the point? Or what you know, to help people put a little flesh on that. Well, I, when people hear the word progressive and liberal, they usually if they if it's you know and if they're allergic to it, mm-hmm. they're mostly thinking of whatever the contemporary hot button issues are. Yeah, right. But I think there's two biggest factors around a more progressive Christianity. One is that the actual teachings and message of Jesus has interpretive priority for everything else. So uh, that means you can't understand the cross and resurrection without understanding how Jesus got to a cross, a Roman cross. And you can't understand the resurrection without realizing that he walked around talking about the very presence and activity of the kingdom of God. So, once you have to read his ministry, death and resurrection together, 
it leads to you not taking things. Uh, you, you can't take stuff off the op- put it in the optional table, like caring for the poor and oppressed and the outcast or whatever. The, the more things you attach to progressive Christians um, and the kingdom of God. And you don't have to go into a long Bible study time, but uh, it, it's extremely hard to look at the teachings of Jesus and think it had something to do with fine tuning citizens of the most powerful empire of the world to be better family members, right. better stewards of their power and better citizens and economic participants. I am here like, to help the, the Romans idea, have better practical application in their daily lives with their, as husbands and fathers. Yeah. It's not, not so much that. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like there's that part of it. And the other side is that liberal Christianity classically is, uh, is theology that, recognizes not just the tradition and history of the church as a source of theology or scripture, but um, experience and reason. And reason has always been recognized, but it came to serve a more interpretive role with the advent of historical criticism of science and such. And experience came to serve a more role, uh, a larger role, when people other than straight privileged white dudes talk about God, right? Like once the voices of marginalized and females and their own encounter with the risen Christ and their experience of God is on front street. We realize that, yeah, uh, we've been narrowing the landscape or soundscape of God in the church. And so liberal in one sense is like, give me more testimony and witness to the risen Christ. I want as many voices. I want to hear how we've come to understand the cosmos that God created love and is redeeming. Um, And when you do that and you don't see your fidelity to God attached to fidelity to an anti-intellectualist American evangelical interpretation of Scripture, then you can wrestle with all four. And it's a life-giving enterprise. But where you're settled or like where you find your home and where you find your trust is as an individual in relationship to God. And God is not an object, an idea in our heads that we say true or false about or find out all the attributes. God is an eternal, infinite subject. And just like our partners, our loved ones, our kids, real living subjects remain a mystery, even if we get to know them better. Like I've been married to my wife 15 years, and she is, I promise, a deeper mystery now than when we got married. And it's not because I don't love her. It's not because I don't know her. And I'm not committed most of the time to figuring out how to love her and care for her and treat her better. And it's vice versa. And the same is with our kids. So like, why would God be less of a mystery if you're engaged in loving and serving God than the people that we hold most dear? And there's no like that mystery is scary, though, about my marriage. That mystery is scary. It's also a sign of life. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm, a, I'm agreeing with it. it is, but I think a lot of people like having God in a box and they, they can say this, this, and this. That's, I mean, you probably push, push yeah. back for your thoughts would be you're, you're like, people are scared when, when you, you talk about Jesus that you're headed away from him. You know what I mean? Like, like you, you, now you agree with this. Now my Bible doesn't say this trip. You, you say this, my Bible doesn't say that. Like people think that. Yeah, you're you're dangerous, right? You'll like eventually, you're, you're won't read the Bible it. or pray anymore if you yeah. Go, eventually, keep on you that won't path. be a Christian. Yeah, right. I mean, do, do, do you think that there's any truth in that? Like that it leads you well, away so in some the, ways. So the two things I thought of: one is just observing wise, like 
there are people who probably the only reason they show up at church and stuff is because they don't want to go to hell. Right. Yeah, no doubt. Yes. And if they come up, if they encounter ideas where they don't believe hell's real, they leave. Now, I'm not sure other than the fact they might have tithed, uh, a church really wants someone right. <laughs> as a member and, and a representative of fidelity when the only reason they're there right. is because Jesus's dad's an asshole who right. threatens you. It's like, <laughs> if if you think I gave my son a hard time, just wait till I meet you unless right. you pass my true false test. <laughs> so that's one part of it. But the um, the first book I wrote, uh, that came out a couple years ago. It's called The Homebrew Christianity Guide to Jesus, Liar, Lunatic Lord, or Just Freaking Awesome. And the two things when I did a whole big tour where I went and spoke that were, when I spoke in more evangelical or conservative Pentecostal crowds, the two things that kept coming up were, one, uh, early in the book, I say, I think it's weird um, the way we frame that, you know, C.S. Lewis, like liar, lunatic or Lord thing. One is problematic just because like no Bible scholar thinks that's anything Jesus said. Like he doesn't go like, I'm God, if you don't believe it, whatever. Um, and it's a horrible witnessing technique. Yeah. Just to clarify, like if you walk up to your neighbor and you're like, look, so I serve a risen Lord and he's either Lord or you think my Lord's crazy or lying. You know, that's really not how you right. win friends and influence people. Uh, but the underneath it, it's, it's the af identity of Jesus as Lord, right? In in the New Testament, the disciples regularly call Jesus Lord. Peter says, you're the Christ, son of the living God. But what they don't get is the content of it, that the moment Jesus is like, we're going to Jerusalem, I'm going to die, Peter, James, John, they're all resisting it. And so the challenge of discipleship isn't, is Jesus Lord? It's what Lord will Jesus be? And is it one that calls us to 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 service, to kenosis, to self-giving love and things like that? And not like is the title, which also is Caesar, so it's a political statement, is a title something you like check true on? And uh, part of it, I think, is this tendency that we like to see debates where there's like one side one and side two, an atheist right. and a theist. Yeah. And we all have brains and we reason and battle it out. But. What do you get? Like a winner? Like eventually never. you're like, these are facts. This is reasonable. We yeah, win. Never comes. Today, yeah. I think, you know, today I think we're not a theist versus an atheist. We're all believing skeptics. Like that battle line runs in us. And that's not a negative or positive thing. It's just a description of who we are. Like we say Jesus is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. And he's a homeless dead Jew who lived for 30 years on one planet in one solar system in one galaxy of billions of galaxies. You can't smoke a joint where that's reasonable, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, so just that, or you say those things and you live on a street where there are five different religions and the most beautiful life is the, is like a uh, Calvinist libertarian, which why? I don't know. God did it to provoke me. Um, <laughs> like there, the, 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 you know, so, there's religious diversity. There's uh, pluralism. We know historical consciousness. Hey, Trip, I, I, I hate to stop you. You know, Joey is a pastor, and he's really not liking all this stuff you're saying. He's so a, pissed. No, the last thing that you said just blew me away. I love it. He's lying. Well, and, and, and so, uh, well, he's not even on the camera. Yeah, so he's on camera. That's he's over here. He was, no, I just mean, I just mean you, the in the inside. 
I feel like everyone's a skeptic and a believer at the same time or believing skeptic, skeptical believer. And that puts a different relationship of faith. It's not an assent to objective reality or objective truths. It's giving yourself to a subject, the living God. Well, and, 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 and it's, and, and partly what you're saying too, I think is so helpful to humanity, not just the churches. What you said as far as, I, I forgot how you worded it, but the, the libertarian Calvinist and how they're the most pleasant of all your neighbors. I just, I just wish that we could all not just take a tweet or not just take a statement that someone says and write them off as, as like you just made people complex. And that should be common sense, mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's the complete opposite. Which, if anybody should be leading the way of of lack of polarity and people coming together and trying to figure stuff out, it should be Christians. But we're usually the worst. But it's at messy, Joey. To use it's Christianese, me- it's, messy. <laughs> it's just so messy, and it that's the thing. I think the reason why, and this is the part that doesn't need to be messy. It, yeah, I know. You're right. Like loving people. Right. You're right. Like love your neighbor shouldn't be messy. There shouldn't be anything there that gets real dangerous. Like, I, I mean, because the, the thing that connects us all, at least, is that sin is normal. Right. And, and this life, this human life is what we have. And we have love and friendship and connection and sin, good and bad, all these things. And so to uh, actually use that normalcy against people or a perceived thing that we think against people and what we believe just really weaponizes Christianity in a very negative way. I mean, it really does for sure. But anyway, Trent, we, we, we got to get out of here. I know you I do too. Joke. So go ahead. Uh, I, I was just saying, I think just because a lot of things I said was more progressive. So your more progressive listeners might just like go, yay. Yep. Um, it's a reverse challenge for progressive people. Like it's not that hard for you to put on your sign, open and affirming, but can you love, bless, and get to know a Rush Limbaugh fan that shows up? Right. Yeah, that's like a that is point. a lot harder for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, or when I go to a protest that we have a bunch of Confederate monuments sitting in downtown, like the people that are sitting there with Dixie flags on and guns because that's how they show their support. Like, what does it mean to say that they're made in the image of God and loved? And I don't think there's a destination of ideas that's inherently better now you've arrived. I mean, I think there's progress to be made and such, but whoever your other is, where the feelings of disgust arise on the inside is the Samaritan to you. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where you're called to have a, a solidarity that only God could give you. Um, and, and so, you know, like I would easily go to an interfaith activist group and have no problem. But when I went to in LA, the uh, Christian ministers council, then I'm like, uh, these, half these people are praying for my salvation. Yeah. So uh, that I, I, yeah, it sounded like a good right. minister point. You made. Well, keep <laughs> up the good work there at homebrew Christianity. It's a cool podcast. I know a lot of people already listened to it. You had Jen Hatmaker on recently. I bet that was amazing. We should mm-hmm. check that one out. And, and what, tell us the name of the movie. You get, can you give us any more details when it's coming out? It, the Road to Edmond. You can go to the road to Edmond.com. The premiere is in LA on July 29th. And then there is a, uh, uh, in the middle of September, there's like a 72 hour period that you could stream it and show it at your church or in your home. We're calling them House of God parties. Um, and then a part of it is I made a four week curriculum looking at four different texts in scripture about sexuality 
that are not like you fight about whether or not you like gay people. It's all the other parts about sexuality that are in the Bible that are just as complicated if you're just straight as can be. Mm-hmm. And um, so I made that curriculum hoping that people that came together and had different perspectives or views around that topic also realize sexuality is complicated if you're just straight and married with children. Um, and a lot of us have trauma or pain or shame that we're dealing with. And what's it like to have a community where the fullness of all of our embodiedness is brought uh, before God in a community of grace. So that's connected to the movie release and such. That's, that's awesome, all man. exciting well, stuff. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us, man. We really do appreciate it. Oh, it, it was great. It was great to meet you. And, um, you know, uh, it's kind of it, it breaks all the rules that your recent uh, Christian movie actor interview. Oh, had. yeah. Ben um, Davies. Yeah. Like uh, we break yeah, we break all those rules in there. And uh, uh, I have no giant conspiracy theories about uh, <laughs> like he had some, ideology right? to yeah. Yeah. Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah. patience was. Uh, hey, you should have impressive. him on the, your podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd be like, so it's kind of like your movie, but different. <laughs> no, I'm gonna. I'm gonna holler at him and be like, "I heard you on Bad Christians. I really think you should be in the sequel." Yeah. <laughs> All right, Trip, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, peace, fellas. See Thank you, you Trip. Okay, that was Trip. Everybody, thank you, Trip, for joining the show. Enjoyed that one very much. Um, what else we got going? I know what it says right here on my notes that Toby, you have a segment that you made. Tell us about it. I sure did. Uh, you know, we've been uh, bringing Taylor on a lot more. I sure did. And, and so I uh, thought it'd be really cool. Taylor is the, you know, oversees our BC club. And if you're not in the BC club, you should join it. And that's why we've been bringing him on more just because it's so fun and it's growing like crazy that we want everybody in the whole world to be a part of it. But uh, one of the guys uh, in the BC club, his name's David Hamilton, um, actually took over Taylor's old job with RIFO which actually stands for rock your face off. <laughs> You'll hear that in the interview. But I recorded this interview with them just to find out a little bit about RIFO. They both, both worked for them. And uh, just to talk about that and the BC Club and what it's like doing mission stuff. So this should be pretty cool. Yeah, what's RIFO? That's the thing where you sleep on people's floors if you're in a band, right? Yeah. Yeah, if, if, Matt, if Matt is the father and Toby is the son and I'm the Holy Spirit, then Taylor is John the Baptist. Yeah. No, he's Judas. <laughs> All right, let's check. Let's just check this out. Both of y'all do this thing. Well, both of y'all are, are associated with the BC Club. Dave, David, you've been in the BC Club forever, right? Yeah. So my wife, when you guys first launched the BC Club, signed up, um, and then we transitioned over and had it be both of us, and we bumped up to a, a higher level after that. Um, before the Orlando Live podcast. For yeah. sure. Dang, I mean, that's been, I mean, you're probably one of the longest m- members. I don't know if that's called tenured. I don't know if you're tenured yet or what, but I mean, you guys, you and your wife are probably, I mean, have been around forever. I mean, you've outlasted well, my, everybody. <laughs> yeah, we. that was the goal. We like It's like a corporate takeover. Like we were just like working our way up and, and, and eventually we'll just be on the podcast. Well, it's really funny. I can still remember that Orlando show that you guys came to and y'all were talking about church and what you should do and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I, I don't even remember what we talked about it for a while. I think I was pretty encouraging about church. And then I ended up quit, yeah. quitting working in a church. Yeah. Well, we could talk about that. A and little aren't bit you like because... a, you, you, you still lead worship at a church and are very active. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when we were talking about all of that, basically what you said was if everybody left, who would fix it? 
And like that really resonated with us. And so like that kept us and like we were out the door, like we were done. Wow. And, and, and so from that, um, just, we saw a big shift like for us and and we were like, okay, well, we're going to, we'll stick around and we'll fix it. It wasn't even, it was just recently we've seen a lot of progress happen at our church related to the frustrations that we saw three years ago. Yeah. So, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of the the, the catalyst because ultimately that um, kind of shifted my mindset from thinking about Sunday morning as like church to like Sunday morning as ministry. Yeah, and like, hey, this isn't church. Like, there's got to be more to this. But like, this is ministry. I'll still come and play worship and, and be involved in ministry and, and look at it that way. And that's when we really kind of got more engaged in the BC Club and kind of like you know got more church out of that than we did anything else because it was at a time when we weren't connected to our, our church family in a church manner. Yeah. Damn. So, man, yeah. The Holy, so Spirit, then the Holy spirit spoke through me to you. I, I guess so. <laughs> but, well, so no, the, the really cool thing is that that leads to, uh, I have a conversation with Taylor, um, who at the time was working with RIFO yeah. that I'm working with now. And like, so I don't have the conversation with you in October. I don't have a conversation with Taylor at the, in November. And then I don't get connected with Simeon, the executive director for RIFO, and, and at the beginning of, of January that next year, I'm not two, two years now. I'm making the transition to do that full time. Like this is my last week of work at USF. I'm, I'm leaving my my job to do this full time. Wow. So like those conversations don't happen, and I haven't wouldn't have progressed in the manner that I did to be able to do what I'm doing today. Yeah, that's how one of the ways we met Taylor was through RIFO. So t- Taylor, tell us what RIFO is. A lot of, I would say most people probably don't even know what that means. It sounds maybe even scary. Like y'all are, are y'all like some kind of <laughs> white man cult? What is it? Straight white American <laughs> male Christian. Um, no, RIFO, um, it, it stands for rock your face off. In the beginning, it was a ministry that was set up to take care of the needs of touring musicians um, that were not being taken care of of, of when you were on the road. I mean, you know, fans, um, fans are fans. I mean, those relationships, they're not good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, it's the relationship of a fan does not you know, is not really worried about the needs of a person like a friend would or like a family member would. But um, when you're out on the road and you're out on tour, um, you know, the only relationships you really have are your fans, which are very surface deep. Um, You know, you're you're in one night out the other. And then there's the four or five uh, folks that you're traveling with that are, you know, all experiencing life the same way all at once, but in different ways, you're all kind of you know, go in different directions. And, um, I think it's very easy for your mental, spiritual, physical, psychological relationship, all those, all that, that health to kind of deteriorate if there's no one really looking out for you. And so I know in the beginning, I think RIFO tried to take on a lot. I mean, they wanted to be a financial, uh, support for bands. They wanted, people to show up at shows and be like volunteer roadies and they wanted to offer up their houses. And I mean, I mean, I could go down the list. There's like 20 things that they wanted to, to do. And I think as the organization grew, um, we realized what, what, where the needs were most and what we could really focus on. And then what things just really weren't, um, working. And, and I think 
the the organization really matured a lot in the sense that um, really understanding the needs of bands and artists, and then also really understanding the role of the volunteers of RIFO as not to recruit people that only want to help to get closer to the artists, because right. it's kind of like if I said, do you want to do missions work, um, you know, in a third world country, or do you want to do a missions work where you get to meet movie stars? Well, how many people are going right. to say, the, the Lord is calling me to the movie right. star, you know? And so I think a lot of people have good hearts and good intentions, but at the end of the day, if you find out, you know, your favorite band is a part of RIFO, you're going to be, God's going to be calling you uh, pretty hard to, to what your interests right. are, you know? Um, so, uh, I mean, there's a lot more I could go into, but that's kind of the 10,000 foot view, I think, of how it all started. Yeah, 100%. The way I always thought about it, uh, and when I finally heard about it, was the the biggest thing they did was offer a place to stay for bands that, I mean, let, let's be real. I mean, not every band's Emory, my God. I mean, we are, we are <laughs> top tier. Struggling to keep a bus going. Yeah, we can't even keep our bus going. You're right. Actually, we need, we need RIFO more than ever. <laughs> but um, the thing I always thought about RIFO was they offer a place for bands because most bands, just being honest, most bands make maybe a hundred dollars a show. And if you factor in gas and everything, there's just no, I mean, you're constantly ending up staying on somebody's floor or, or, uh, you know, or in the van, if you have a van or whatever it might be. And so I, I thought that was really cool that people, there was a little bit of a network where, Hey, we're in this town. We don't know anybody. There's somebody that will put us up and we don't, we can actually come home with $25 in our pocket as opposed to being in debt. You know, that, that, that is really huge. So was that the draw for you, David? Like, what was the draw to do this? My wife and I wanted to be a host home. Like, we were always kind of interested in that. We we're like, oh, that's really cool. We could we could do that. That'd be a great ministry opportunity yeah. for us. But what really kind of drew me in was talking with Taylor and then talking with Simeon, getting kind of more of the bigger picture. Like, what the, the host home network is kind of like the current, like, focus, or it has been for a while, because yeah. when they first started, they were like, hey, we see this giant divide between the musician community and the church. How can we close that gap? Yeah. And the first first thing was, well, let's build a network of host homes that are Christian homes that can show the love of Jesus and meet a practical need for people. It, they, we call it radical hospitality. I, I felt called to be uh, in a ministry position type of way, you know, I, and I figured I was going to work in a church. And I just couldn't get any traction on that. Not getting anywhere, not happening. I was looking in the church, and Simeon's like, well, why don't you come work for me? And I'm like— Okay, I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but the idea has always been to eliminate that divide between the church and the musician community. And one of the biggest things we hear from musicians when we get feedback from them is that they get depressed when they come home off the road because the transition from life on the road back into normal life right. is a rough one. And then also they they tend to say, "Hey, when I leave my family, I get depressed." So like it's like they're in a constant state of depression. So like we're working on developing resources for that to kind of connect with them better. But we wanted to connect with them locally, too. Like, we get them on the road, which is awesome. Um, and then we wanted to connect with them when they're at home. And so, like, we started putting teams together for that and kind of exploring what that looks like. And so that's really what drew me in was, like, okay, like, we're not just going to do what everybody else is doing. Like, yeah. It's so easy for people to think, oh, that like, like they, I'm sure you probably have felt this, like, you're a commodity. You're being something to be consumed. Everybody that I've talked with, with that's involved in RIFO, like, that's not their mindset. They're, it's like... Hey, these are people, and they need more support from people that get what in the world is going on. And it's like I get what's going on. Let me help with that. Let me let me do that. And so 
just working to develop resources and, and connect with people in a more relational manner in a way when they don't really have a lot of the things that's we have people that sign up for RIFO and then don't take advantage of this host home network yeah. because they're like, well, what do you want in return? And it's like, no, it's a free place to stay. Like you get a meal, a shower, you know, a bed to sleep in that type of thing. And they're like, nobody, like nobody wants that. Like, and it's a time to be down, like to be like, you get yeah. off the stage and like, you just you get to relax. And so, um, had friends i've had friends that just were kind of used and abused by the church and that kind of drew me in um, because they were like these people are are showing me uh, a side of church that i never experienced before uh and so we were like okay well how do we how do we bring that together like this is like yeah. i have some friends that would, would they would travel and they would get to a church they had booked this show travel across the country get there and the church is like yeah we don't want you to play you you scare us <laughs> so yeah. we don't want you to play right. so what do you do like what like that and so and then it's also connecting with like one of the things we're doing locally is we're finding musicians that are connected into the local scene where they're at and also to the church. So like they're literally got one foot in, in both areas. And so how we can connect with musicians that are Christians, but don't necessarily feel like the church is where they're supposed to be similar to what, where I'm at, you yeah. know, like not being in a local church, like that's not where they're supposed to be. Like, I know you, uh, there's a, I believe you guys wrote a blog or something about it talking about how, when you first started, you thought you were going to be playing in churches, but then you ended up like feeling like you needed to be out in the bar scene yeah. more than anything. Well, there's a well, lot yeah, of the, the like, church scene is, is it, it will get you and it'll, it'll lock you in there. That That's, I mean, do, are your, is your guys uh, goal is Rifo's goal mostly to work with bands with Christians in them? Or are you, no. are you hoping to do work with everybody? If you if you are a band, the, the here's the onboarding for a band right now with us. You click a link, get an email, confirm that you're a human being. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. What, what are no, the What are the rules? Like, what if a band shows up and they're wasted and doing heroin? Don't, you don't well, want you don't want them staying at a rifle home, do you? Ta Taylor, you well, you've done this for a long time. What, what do you What do you tell that band? They're like they are looking to party. You go, ah, maybe you should stay at the, the, the Hilton, the Holiday yeah, I mean, Inn, right? We, Motel C. We, we talk to folks, um, and, I mean, basically we say, look, if, if it's illegal, we, 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 you know, know what you're coming into. We're up front that we're a Christian organization, but we're also, I mean, I can remember there was one band that signed up, and they apologized for applying because they didn't realize it was a Christian organization until, like, they're like, well, my, my buddy said it would be good, but we didn't realize. And I said, no, 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 you're fine. And he goes, well, Y'all, you haven't checked out our website yet or our Facebook. I said, no, no, I did. And they go, and you're cool with that? And the reason they said that is their their album cover of this band, all the dudes were naked, but uh, <laughs> they were they were standing in a V formation. And I don't know how to explain it other than they, they, were, they were tucked. <laughs> they were tucked. And so it was full frontal. Right. And then if you click through their stuff, I mean, they used a lot of like sex toys and stuff during their shows. And like, just as like props and right, stuff. Right, and they right. were like, you know, and, I, and they said, well, won't your people be weirded out by that? And I said, I mean, some of them probably were. I said, do, you, do everyone you meet think this is normal? They're like, no, absolutely not. And I said, well, right. you know, but I said, Here, here's the thing is, uh, we're trying to offer a service and we're, and we're trying to do, I said, what I read, the Jesus that I read in the Bible, he didn't come across and be like, oh, you're a Samaritan, but like, uh, you're like a real Samaritan. You know, it's just like, it, it is what it is and, and be who you are. And, and we wanted people to feel comfortable. And I think we also talked to the host homes too. You know, we said if, if a band showed up and it was, and, and they were known for being very uh, crude or rude or 
We even had one band from Pennsylvania. They had a uh, F your Christian hardcore t-shirts <laughs> and dead Pope shirts and stuff. And it was just like, but some of those bands ended up nice being guys sort of, though. <laughs> they, well, they were, I mean, solid they, dudes. They were, um, sweet some dudes. Of those guys ended up being some of our, the most vocal ambassadors for RIFO and actually would get more bands to sign up because they were like, Hey, it's this Christian thing, but they were totally cool with who we are. And I'll say one of the coolest experiences I had was a band um, where the guy that signed up kind of grew up within the church, um, but the rest of the guys in the band didn't, weren't Christian. And he kind of signed him up for Rife without telling him. Well, they show up to my house, and it was the first night they were staying at a Rifo home. And um, I guess at some point the band discovered this is a Christian thing. And they got in a huge argument in our front yard oh, wow. at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, and only two of the guys of that seven people in their band actually came into the house. The rest of them slept in the van. They were like, F this, we're not doing this. Our, a lot of our music is about being against the church. You know, we're not going to be hypocrites and stuff. And they and stayed And by the way, there. thank you for uh, censoring your language. This podcast, is, we try to keep it a little high bar here. But anyway, so, so all of them slept in the van except for two. Uh, all of them slept in the van except for two. Those effers. Um, <laughs> Those and, uh, <laughs> And, um, they, uh, you know, they, they, they came in and then I guess the next morning they kind of reconciled. Well, a month later they came back through on their way back to, uh, to home and they came in and they apologized. And, uh, I guess the rest of their tour, they slowly started using more and more RIFO homes and the guys in the band slowly got more and more comfortable with coming in and the hospitality they received. And long story short, this band had like a three or 400,000 social media followers, this band that was very much anti-church in their, in their music blasted out RIFO to like our, wow. their followers, fans. And they said, look, it's a Christian organization, but don't let that scare you away. Da, da, da. These are great people that helped us on tour. And I think that was when one of the, that was one of the shortest uh, t- windows of time where we had so many people start signing up for RIFO because of their, endorsement of it and like i said they were not a christian band by any means that's amazing well, well the reason why i wanted to have you both on is because one bc club i love the community of it and that's why i think rifo kind of lines up a little bit because i think that's what you guys are trying to do with rifo and, and taylor i know you've kind of moved on done, done some stuff but now you're carrying the torch david what can people do to find out more about rifo or help out or or whatever they need to do what do you want people to do well, so there's a couple different ways. Um, they can visit rifo.org for general information. There's an about me section that, that has a good breakdown of like really in depth more of what we talk about when we're talking about the divide between the church and musician community, all of that. Oh. Um, on social media to um, rifo, or if they want to, if they, if they want to message me, they can directly. Um, I'm in the BC Club, obviously. Um, but outside of that, there's other people. If you just find me on, on Facebook, um, it, I don't even know, know what good way to. I have a profile picture that has me in a leather jacket. Oh, uh, you can wow. find me there. Yeah, uh, that alone. I'm a baller. That yeah, alone. Now, don't be too humble. You, you, you are also rifle looks for support, right? From people, like right. Yeah, so we are 100% support raised. Um, rifle doesn't carry a salary line in our budget at all. Yeah, um, we have three full time people, and they're all. Um, support raised missionaries um, from our parent organization. Yeah. Um, so we we raise all of our salary in that. And so I'm in the process of doing that right now. I've reached a point where I'm able to step out of my job completely 
um, and, and start to focus on this full time. I've been doing it for the last year. I've been in the transition out for the last two years, but I've been officially hired in the role of director of operations for RIFO for a year. Um, and so I do have fundraising. If they want to, if people want to know more about that specifically with me, um, I have a Facebook group called David on Mission. You can search that one. There's a bunch of people from the BC Club in there. I've had amazing support from people in the BC Club, nice. like people that wouldn't even normally care. Um, I get questioned all the time of like, hey, can I tithe that, you know, tithe toward you without worry? And it's like, absolutely. It's whatever you want to do. Like, it's right. cool. Um, so I am looking for monthly support in that. And also RIFO uh, carries um, monthly support too. Um, in a similar fashion, um, we, the cool thing is, is that it's two separate things. And so all the money that I raise goes directly to me to, to pay me yeah. all the money that RIFO raises goes directly into RIFO. And so, um, if people are always concerned about that, I know that's a big concern for is like literally 100% of the money that comes into RIFO goes right back into building up RIFO and, and helping us expand. Um, we want to be, we're I would say loosely nationally based. We want to be completely nationally based and cover the, the whole country with host homes and all of that. And then also we plan to go globally with that. That's a long-term goal. And, but like, it, so we're building up that. And so um, this isn't just like a, a little thing that we're trying to, we're trying to bring this radical hospitality to people that, that would never think of it. Like, like yeah. we, we want to reach the people that are like, Hey, I'd love to be involved in church, but I hate church. What can I do? You know, like we want to bring them, we want to, we want to partner with people and, and, and bring them closer to what, what church can be and get them, get them engaged in, in the overall church community too. And yeah. so, um, it, it would just naturally have a lot of people that are turned away by that. And so if, if you want to like the, the, one of the, you asked kind of what drew me in, one of the biggest things that drew me in was that when everybody that I talked to from Taylor through Simeon, um, with, with RIFO, like they were not bullshitting at all. They 100% believe in what they do. They are committed to to spreading the love of Jesus through that. And so it's it's not some like show or anything like that. Like like it, we have recruited 1,100 bands for Rifo that are registered with us with no marketing. Wow, that's because, amazing. And, and same thing with the host homes. We have 60 plus active host homes with no marketing because it's all word of mouth. Like we go to like people go to festivals and they're like, hey, check out Rifo and like. We have people that are like like a road team for us that will like go to shows and pass out cards and stuff like that. And all we all basically all we're asking for is people to take a chance on it and like legitimately give it a shot because we're here for everybody. Like yeah. we want to we want to reach everybody. It's not limited. There's no limits on it at all. Um, yeah, you even we, said before the we started recording, you want to hit America, and then the very next place you want to go to is North Korea. Yeah, that's that's the <laughs> obvious next step. Yeah, I mean it's obvious. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rifo, thank you guys so much for both being on here. Uh, Taylor, I don't know if you want to say any last things about the BC Club. One of the reasons, once again, I wanted to bring this up though, is because BC Club really does help other folks. This is a real community in the BC Club that we are trying to cultivate and grow, and not just be about just the BC Club, but for real change. And Rifo is one of the things that one of our members is doing. So I, we, we kind of wanted to highlight that, but I didn't know if you wanted to highlight anything about the BC club, Taylor. You know, we've talked about, there have been people that have organically met up in person because of the BC club. There are people that have started little organizations. We had a marriage through the BC club. Yeah. We, we've had people, I know there's a bunch of BC club folks going to audio feed. I know we're not up there this year, but the audio feed music festival, I mean, it, it really has kind of created this neat little community. And I just think, what we did in Nashville back in January, I mean, you had people 
who in most cases, you know, in some cases can't afford a plane ticket, put everything they could into either a car or plane ticket to get out to Nashville to meet all these people that they've interacted with in this community. And it is, um, it is pretty neat, uh, how everything has come together over what essentially was a podcast built around conversations had on a tour bus that we said, well, let's, you know, start recording these. And 400 episodes later, we have almost a thousand people supporting in the BC club. We have a lot of people helping each other out. I've seen a lot of people go through some pretty dark stuff in their yeah. lives and, uh, on their public on their Facebook profile with their family and friends, they don't share it, but they'll go into the BC club and say, guys, you're the only ones I can really turn to in this time. And it's, I mean, I don't want to, you know, make it over exaggerated or anything, but it's a really cool community. I'm excited to see what what's come from it. So that's awesome. I, I, I really do appreciate both you guys coming on today and, uh, uh, RIFO BC club, all these things are great. I, my only fear is that the only thing people will take away from this is they, they tucked it. They tucked it. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't steal that for your next album. I, I, that's that. I pray that that is the next Emory <laughs> album's title. They tucked it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. We do appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Toby, thank you for doing that. Appreciate it very much. I'll tell you what I'll do is just go ahead and read some names of people who have recently joined the BC Club, which you can do at thebcclub.com, and we'll leave you guys to enjoy the rest of your day. How about Samuel Park, Gretchen Davis, Stephen Tyne, Scott Karn, Jared Ledger, and Andrew Seabolt. I like that one, Seabolt. Very good. All right. Thank you guys for joining the club. Toby and Joey, y'all chilling? Y'all good? Toby, Joey, you got anything else to say? Uh, no, but you, you just cut out. So if you were talking to me and I didn't say anything, I apologize. Yeah, I, yeah, but- I, I apologize too. It was like the greatest moment of my life. You weren't talking. <laughs> I just want to say to all of our listeners that I, I love you very much from the bottom of my heart. And This isn't I true. To, I just want you to... True. No, individually, where you are right now. Hey, you, you, said, you jogging. You actually you right now jogging. Said, I, you said the each of our jogging right now, you, said, you know who you are. You know who you, you are. You said each of our jogging. listeners, when you look at them, all you see is dollars. <laughs> the person jogging right now, God wants a blessing for you. You think of him as $5. If you are jogging and you have black shorts on, I'm talking to you and you need to join the You're a $5 bill to Joey. Do something in wearing your black life. shorts. All right, see y'all. <laughs>